0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I've already cried this morning during prayer, so I'm going to try not to do that again. Thank you. I'm going to set my stopwatch so you guys don't have to listen to me for days. Welcome this morning to LMCC. We're really glad that you all are here. And so as I've asked God what I need to be doing as the care minister here and what I need to be doing individually, he's been leaning on me pretty heavy through those prayers. And I often get more about what I need to do, what I need to fix when I pray for you guys instead of what I need to tell you. But he has been really specific this time that these are some things that I need to tell you all. And so he's leaned on me pretty hard in those prayers. And the one things he's been really clear with me about is that I need to and I need to tell you that he wants us to pursue him above all else and pursue him with vigor. And he's been really clear about that, that we need to be in pursuit. He wants us to seek his presence in a new and energized way. And he wants us to do that individually and he wants us to do that together. And so I've asked for more of that. What does that mean, God? Because I don't always understand the first round with him, right? I don't always understand exactly what he's trying to tell me. And so during this time of prayer, he's got me on my knees. Actually, he started having me pray against the wall with my head against the wall, sort of, I don't think it's punishment, but anyway, it's to get my attention, right? So I'm against the wall and there's a little pain to it because that's the way God has to deal with me sometimes sometimes. Um, and so I had this sticky note from January 25th where he told me, you don't pray enough and you don't praise enough. So in that moment, I thought, are you kidding me? I'm a seminary student. I work in ministry. I do nothing but pray with people. And I probably said, like, dude, seriously, and I am called God dude very often. But I think in that moment, I was like, are you kidding me? What else can I do? I pray. I feel like I pray all the time. I feel like God's exhausted of hearing my voice. I feel like I praise. But he was really clear with me. You don't pray enough and you don't praise enough. And I have that sticky note hanging on my wall at home. And at first that didn't make sense to me. And I had to think about what that said. What does that mean? What do I do with that? How could you require more? And then he gave me this idea of pursuit. He said, I do require more. And here's what that looks like. And I said, well, what is pursuit? Because I thought I was pursuing, right? We often have a different definition of a word than God has. And so sometimes when you get a word from God, you're going to have to go back to him to figure out what his definition of the word was, not what you think it means. And they might sync up, but they might not. And so that's part of the pursuit, right? Is you told me this, what is it that you're trying to explain to me? What's your definition? And so I went back to him and he answered me. With a very simple concept. So I'm not going to give you all a really deeply theologically rooted sermon this morning. I'm not going to get out my seminary notes. I'm just going to talk to you as someone who loves you, as someone who prays for you all the time, and as someone who God has told me that what we need to do is know where he is all the time. Where is God all the time? Constantly be aligning with him. Are you living every aspect of your life with him? Do you realize what you're missing if you're not. And what he told me very specifically is, do you realize the elusive joy and peace that you're seeking is only found with me? Right, so I want you to listen to that again. Do you realize that the elusive joy and peace that you're seeking is only found with God? And you're all seeking it. I speak to most of you on a regular basis, and that's what we're all doing. We're seeking this joy and this peace And we keep trying to find it. We keep seeking it. And he's telling me it's by spending time with him. It's in pursuit of him. Nowhere else. He was pretty clear about that. There was no gray area to that. There was no if, and, or maybe. It was you will only find it if you seek me. And so nothing else will fill that that void. We crave that, right? Nothing else is going to fill that. And we often miss out on it because we don't seek in the right place. So I consider myself a pretty happy person, grateful for my blessings. But he leaned in and said really loudly, you have no idea the joy and peace I can provide if you pursue me with your whole heart. You think you're happy now. You think things are good now. You don't know the half of it. If you would come to me with your whole heart and you would seek with everything you have, you have no idea what I can give you. We have to know where he is, not on Sunday morning at two dysprosis, not in community group, but every second of the day, where is he? Where do I find him? Where do I seek him? And so we have to be willing to think about the dreaded word to all type A people, most of us in this room, right? The dreaded word of surrender. Right? Because in order to seek him in that way, you're going to have to surrender what you're seeking elsewhere. You're going to have to surrender the things that you think are going to make you happy. You're going to have to surrender the places that you think you need to be striving in because all he wants you to do is seek him. It's not a hard concept in theory, but when you actually try to implement it, it gets a little more difficult. So we got to talk about that. We have to talk about that word surrender I go back to telling you that the word surrender has a different meaning to God than it does to you. Career military officer, the word surrender is pretty sacrilege. We don't say that, right? We don't do that. I was, I'm going to get a tattoo on my wrist. I'm going to do it. I keep saying that. So I called my, I called my NCO. I'm going to tell you all that now. So you're going to hold me to that because it's going to, my mom is cringing. She's sitting here, but I am going to get a tattoo on my wrist. I went 25 years in the military with no tattoo, but it's going to happen for God. But. I called one of my NCOs, which is my, one of my enlisted soldiers. He's about this big and this wide, just pure muscle and brawn, tattooed from head to toe. And I called him and said, I want to go to your tattoo artist because I want to get something tattooed on my wrist. And he said, okay. And he's telling me, he said, what are you going to get tattooed? And I told him, he said, you're not going to my tattoo artist. Why are you getting that tattooed on your wrist? So it opened a conversation with a pretty hard-headed military NCO. But anyway, so... The word surrender, we got to talk about that, right? It's had a very different meaning to me over the last 25 years than it has to me now. We have to be retaught the meaning of the word sometimes. We have to be retaught the meaning of words sometimes in our vocabulary. God's got a different way. God has retaught me the meaning of surrender through this ministry in this church. I've had to repent to him. He gave me this place. He gave me this position to serve the people in this church And I took off with that at times on my own. And I didn't surrender that back to him. I didn't submit that back to him. And God and I have had to sit on the floor and repent over that. I've had to repent. God's had to forgive, thankfully. That I realize that I have to surrender it back to him. I don't have to just surrender the big thing, which is this position to serve in this church and this ability to be a student seminary and this ability to parent my child. I have to surrender everything back to him every bit of it. And in order to do that, I have to be really self-aware and paying attention. And so, that's part of where we miss the boat, right? Because we get caught up in other things and we're not paying attention. And trust me, it happens to those of us who are in full-time ministry, sitting in seminary. It doesn't matter, we have to make an intentional effort to pay attention. I'll tell you one of the things that's been the most poignant to me since Logan and Amber Gentry came to this church, and one of the things they've taught me is intentionality. I learn it every day by working for Logan and by being around his family. We have to be intentional about this relationship with God. It doesn't just happen. And so we need to think about that. So as we do that, so we think about that on a daily basis, we have to kind of break that down in our minds. We need to understand what pursuit is and what it means to God. He has a different definition, and we have to understand his definition. And I'll tell you, his definition of surrender and pursuit is going to be different for you than it is for me. And it's going to be different for your spouse, different for your child, different for the person next to you, depending on the season of life and where God has you. And the only way to figure that out is for you to go to God and you to have a conversation with him about what it means for you. Because he's not gonna tell me what it means for you. He's gonna tell you, and then I'm gonna pray for you and shore that up for you and walk that out with you. But it has to come from you and him in an intentional conversation. I'm gonna get my um, time back up here so I don't keep going too long. Okay, the second thing we need to talk about is to need to understand why we're pursuing, right? So, why are you pursuing? Or, more importantly, why are you not? You've gotta be self aware enough to know am I pursuing? If, if, you're, if you are, what level are you at? Does God want us to go deeper? If you're not, do you want to? Do you know how? We have to be self-aware enough to have a conversation with ourselves about that. Where am I with God? Where is he in reference to me and my life and my daily walk? You have to know that. It shouldn't be this conceptual thing that you can't grasp. You should be able to articulate that in your prayers. And then we need to understand what he can do when we pursue. And this is one of the things he's been teaching me pretty clearly. The areas he can unlock, the areas he can access in ways that you couldn't possibly comprehend. But when you keep that locked up, he can't access. And we don't want to block that access. And so we're going to talk about those things. Let's talk about the idea of pursuit and what we understand. Right? As we plow through this, I want you to look internally this morning about what God's telling you. Let him inform you. Not from a place of condemnation, not from a place of shame or guilt, but from a place of joy. You have the opportunity to have this conversation with him, right? The idea of pursuit is joyful and exciting. We need to approach him from that perspective. We don't have to pursue him. We get to pursue him. We don't have to spend time with him. We get to spend time with him. You have won the lottery. Take the ticket and go collect your earnings, right? it's laying there for you to take it. You get to do these things. It's not a chore. So I want to make sure that as we do this 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 morning, the conversation that you're having with God is from hope and expectancy and joy, not from, oh my gosh, I'm not doing this correctly. God doesn't care about that. He just wants you to come. Over the last few weeks, I've prayed in the back of the room with several of you all, God's been so specific with me in those prayers to tell you that all he wants you to do is get in his presence. We can pray about all the symptoms all day long. He doesn't care about that. He wants you to get in his presence. That stuff he will access in time when he's ready. But he has to have you whole heart fully open before he can do that, right? And we have to make an intentional effort to get in that place with him. And so we've got to think about surrendering to this loving, trustworthy place. You are not surrendering in a place of vulnerability to a scary, fearful place. You are surrendering to a place of love that you can't possibly comprehend and trust in a a way that you don't understand as a human being. And so we have to get in a place where we trust that, where we can sit in that. Open and vulnerable I've been, I read a lot. Those of you all that know me, if you come to my house, there's just books stacked everywhere. I look a little nuts. But anyway, I like to read. There's, I, I read, as I was preparing for this, this um, statement that I, I just want to read to you, and I want you to think about it, because I think we forget this. I read that Christianity is first and foremost a passionate love affair with a once blood-stained and now risen Savior. You get to have your own passionate love affair with God. You don't have to do it via proxy of somebody else. You don't have to watch somebody else do it. You don't have to stand on the sidelines. It's yours, right? So I want you to listen to that again. Christianity is first and foremost a passionate love affair with a once bloodstained and now risen Savior. How exciting is that? Think about that. God wants to have a love affair with you, just you, individually, intimately, no one else involved, then he provides you provision to pray into that and to love on you and to shepherd you. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's you and him. And he's got your back in a way that you don't even understand because there's no human who can replicate that. And so we've got to think about that, right? We think about pursuit. I have a very clear definition of pursuit in my head. So I was in the military for a long time. In the military, we would get these mission orders five, ten pages, and I would take that thing and pour over it. I mean, I would read it over and over and over until I had every detail down, and then I would study it on maps, and I would sit with my fellow soldiers, and we would study, and we'd pick it apart because, by God, I was going to accomplish whatever mission was on that paper. I was going to get it done at any cost, right? I understand pursuit of an objective, right? When we were in combat, that pursuit meant lack of sleep. It meant lack of food. It meant lack of sanitation. I won't explain that to you. It meant things that we don't, we don't want to talk about, right? So, and I did that unfailingly for years. There was never a time when I said, I can't do this. I'm tired. I haven't eaten. I stink, right? It's too scary. I'm, I'm afraid, I may have felt those things, but I drove through because I had an objective and I was going to pursue that objective, right? Even to the point, I'll just tell you this story because it, it, it kind of illuminates it in a different way. We had to dig these foxholes. I used to be a private, so I started out as a private in the military, lowest rank. We had to dig these foxholes, shoulder defilade. They had to be very specific, right? Sort of like the, the measurements to the tabernacle that were given out, right? They, we have these measurements given out. You better do this a certain way. Middle of the night, we can't go to sleep till we get this thing dug. The girl that's with me on duty is already asleep, so I want to butt stroke her to the head with my weapon, but I don't. I don't do that. But I want to get this thing dug, and I'm not afraid of very many things, but I'm afraid of snakes. I'll just admit that, and nobody played with that later. I'm not telling you this so that you know my weaknesses. So... <laughs> I'm afraid of snakes, but it's two o'clock in the morning and I can't sleep and I'm dirty. The girl next to me is asleep. She's making me mad. And, and I get, I'm digging with this little shovel. They don't give you like a, you know, we don't have a a backhoe. We're digging with this little shovel, right? I got to get this thing dug. And I reach down to get this dirt out and this snake is in my hand. It's in my hand. And so I just, I, God was all over me. I just threw that thing. I was like, get out of my way. I got something to do. Now, never again will that probably ever happen, and never again will I have that kind of fortitude, right? But I, by gosh, I was going to get that thing dug. I was in pursuit of the objective, right? I had something to do. My child, for those of you who know me, I'm a helicopter parent, I admit that, I'm okay with it. <laughs> she is the center of the universe and she knows it. And I know where she is every second of every day, what she's doing, how she's feeling. I know every cell of that child's body. Unfortunately for her, probably. (laughs) So God talks to me about that, right? He looks me in the eye. He says, why won't you pursue me that way? Chokes me up because it makes me sad that God has to ask me that. Why won't you pursue me like that? Why won't you go to the ends of the earth? Why won't you move snakes and be dirty and without food and without sleep to find me? Why won't you pursue me like that? He wants us to come to him no matter what it takes, no matter what we have to do to get to him, right? He wants us to pursue him for who he is and not what he can do, just to be in his presence. That's all he wants from us. So that's hard to wrap our head around sometimes, right? Because we live in this world that has all these competing things going on, competing relationships, competing things that are important to us, and we have to think about that. We have to weed that out. Where is God in that? Where do you want him to be, and do they line up? And if they don't, what are you going to do about that? So he's had me and James for quite a while. I know um, William read the scripture to you a few minutes ago. I cannot get out of that book. It's not very long. It's like three pages of the Bible. I've been in there for like eight months. I cannot get out of that book. It's driving me crazy. But here's why I think it's so important. So he talks to us in James about count it all joy, right? My brothers, when you meet the trials of various kinds for you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, you cannot get into this place of intimacy with God until you are steadfast about it. You have to persevere in that process. We don't get to find God in the easy time of our life. He's there, and I don't mean it that way. I'm just saying the intimacy comes from the shared pain. It comes from the shared walk. It comes from the I let you into everything. I trust you with everything. I, la- I want you to be in the joyful. I want you to be in the pain. I want you to be in the hard. I want you to be in the fun. God wants to be in all of it. He wants to be in all of it with you. And we tend to compartmentalize him. I need you here, but not here. I've got this. I'll go over here and find you when I need you. Just stand fast. That's a military term. I'll come get you when I need you, right? God doesn't want us to to be told to stand fast. He wants to get in all of it with us. In James 4, 5, he tells us that he yearns jealously, jealously, I can't speak, over the spirit he has made to dwell in us. God is jealous of your heart. He is jealous of your attention. He is jealous of the things that you love. He wants to be first and foremost above that. He wants to be pursued and followed. He wants our surrender. He wants our full trust and our full attention. So we need to understand why we're pursuing or if we're not, why we're not. We have to identify that for ourselves. We have to identify that individually and we have to identify that as a church because we are family. We are pursuing God together. It's important for us to understand that. So we need to know where we are individually, and then we need to help each other get there corporately. It's part of what we're charged to do. It's why you all are here, your provision for each other, to pray each other into these places, to help each other get into the presence of God. And so are we pursuing? We pursue because only by abject hunger do we relinquish our control and let God into all the areas he wants to show his power. Dan Carpenter talked about that, right? Right? In his sermon the other couple, what, last two weeks ago, he talked about seeing God's power. God wants you to pursue him by abject hunger. You need to figure out what your definition of abject hunger is for God. What is my definition of abject hunger? What does that mean to me? Because that's how he wants to be pursued. That's the only way that he can access every area of your being. I know every cell of my child's body. God knows every cell of your body, and he wants to access all of it. The problem is in our humanness and in our free will, we block, right? She hasn't figured that out quite yet. She's only seven. It's coming. It's coming. I know it is. I already get the hand. Do it myself. And do you know how much it grieves me when my child doesn't want my help? Do you know how much it saddens me as a human being? I cannot imagine the grief that it causes God when we give him the hand. We say, I've got this, and I don't want you to help me. We have to pay attention to that. Our relationship with God is a two-way street, and he is grieved when we don't come to him with everything. So I remember the adrenaline rush I used to get in the military, right? I'm I'm on a mission I'm pursuing, It was joyful. I know that sounds crazy. People were shooting at me. I didn't smell very good. Sometimes I hadn't eaten for days. But I'm telling you, there was never a day in 25 years when I wasn't happy about that job I was doing. I was clear that God had me there for a reason. I was joyful in that pursuit. I had adrenaline behind that. And, you know, God's made really clear to me over the last two years. He's laughed at me even and said, you have no idea the adrenaline rush that you'll get from following me. You haven't touched the surface You have no idea the peace and the joy I can infuse into your life when you follow me in total, complete surrender. You think you know what that feels like. You have no idea. Do you want to know what that feels like? Do you want to access that? Right? He's laughed at me over that in a loving way. Right? What will we sacrifice to get to God? What do you strive for? What do you pursue? What's the most important factors to you in your life? Right? We talked about self-awareness. You have to know these things. We have to know where we are and where we want to be, and we have to spend time on that determination. Spend time individually. Spend time with God in his presence. Spend time with, with each other talking about it, discussing it, praying our way into that. We have to determine those things. We have to ask ourselves some questions, right? What's my level of pursuit? What's my threshold? What's my limit? And how do I push past that? Right? In the army, we had to figure out what our limit was with no sleep. I had to be able to tell my commanding officer at 48 hours and 20 minutes, I can no longer make a decision that makes any sense. Right? We had to know that. We had to know our limit. You have to know what your limit is with God. When are you no longer making decisions based on him? When have you moved outside of that? You have to understand that about yourself. You need to pick through that and figure that out. Right? What are you pursuing? A relationship with God on a constant and intimate level or a day-by-day, if I need you, I'll call you. If I need you, I need you to show up. I will tell you that those moments of abject need and desperation become less when he's a constant. They become less when he's a constant because the desperation and the abject need don't get to that level anymore because he's already there. He's filling in as you need it. He's providing the provision as you need it. You don't get to those places of desperation as quickly. Right? Do you want God in all his glory if it means that you have to relinquish control? And you need to decide that because that's one of the hardest questions. Do you want him in all his glory if it means you have to relinquish control? Because both of you can't drive the car. Right? It's not a driver's ed car where you're on one side and he's on one side and you get to yank the wheel. You can, but he's going to let go at that point. Right? He doesn't force us to surrender to him. He waits patiently and lovingly for us to surrender to him, but he doesn't force us to do that. And are you willing to miss all of his blessings due to discomfort of the ambiguity? Right? We have to sit in ambiguity when we're waiting on God. Are you willing to miss the blessings because that's uncomfortable? Or is it okay and we will just be uncomfortable for a little while? Can you push yourself further? Push yourself beyond your limit. Find a new threshold of discomfort with God and sit in it with him. Let, on, let him love on you in that place. He'll do that if you'll stay there long enough for him to envelop you. But we often don't do that, right? We step out too quick. We miss the blessing. So I want you to think about it because there's blessing to be missed when we move too quick. James 1 tells us that perseverance is necessary and the joyful part of our relationship. We should seek areas of perseverance and pursuit. We should be seeking that. That's where we'll find him. And then that fear that you have has to be submitted because the idea of pursuit means we have to trust. Can we give up the fear of losing control? And I am about as type A as they come, so I am speaking to myself when I say that. Giving up control is not something that comes very easily to me. Do you want the end result with God, or do you want the journey? Because there's a difference. He wants to go on the journey with you. He wants to mold you and help you through the journey and teach you and prepare you. Right through the perseverance is where we gain. That's where we become perfect and complete. And it's a lifelong process, but that's where we do it. Right? So we have to decide if we want the end result. John 15, 7 tells us, if you abide in me, whatever you wish for will be done. We as humans take the first part of that scripture off and throw it out. Okay, the abide in me is too hard, but I would like the blessings. Right? We got to put the scripture back together, guys. We got to do the whole scripture. If you abide in me, your wishes will be met. You don't even know what your wishes are once you abide in God. He's going to change that around for you. He's going to set your heart. He's going to set your desire. And we often abdicate the first portion of that verse, right? So if we decide if we want to surrender in this pursuit and get on the path with God, we've got to recognize what He can do if we do that, right? We have to understand what He'll do if we pursue. James 4:10 says, "Humble yourselves before God, and He will exalt you." I don't know about you, but I want him to exalt me because I want to operate out of His power and not mine. And when He exalts you, you get to operate from His power, not your own. Why would you abdicate that? Why would we as humans ever think that our own power is going to be better than that, right? So we have to understand that. We have to humble ourselves. Perseverance is how we become complete. I was reading about Jacob, story of Jacob, um, in my The Fools God Chooses books. Jacob was a mess over and over and over. But God referenced himself in the Bible as the God of Jacob because Jacob was pursuing He was pursuing, and he failed, and he rose, and he failed, and he rose, and God met him where he was every single time. Met him where he was. God stayed even in the mess because Jacob was pursuing him. God won't leave because it's messy. He wants the mess. He wants you to bring that to him. Because honestly, if you're not bringing the mess, you're hiding because nobody in here doesn't have some mess. That's just a fact. You're a human being, right? So don't hide from that. All right. So he knows the way, right? I'll tell you a story. Another military story, last one. So when we plan a mission, we have a point man. We have somebody on point, and we follow them no matter what. They've studied the map. They've been given the route. Everybody else has their position in the the formation, and we follow the point man. And you don't turn around and go the other way. You don't speak up and say, excuse me. You follow the point man, right? So my last time in the military, I trained cadets, 18-year-old college kids training to be officers. We're at Fort Knox, Kentucky. It's 9,000 degrees it's the middle of the night. I've already been on like 17 patrols. I've had enough. And these kids are learning to patrol out of the patrol base and go on this mission and meet their objective, right? And so in order to do that, we've got to train as we fight, so we have to let them go. So I'm out there with them. I'm old, people. I'm just telling you. This wasn't very long ago. It's a couple of years ago. I'm old. I'm tired. I'm thinking, what am I doing? Every cadet for like seven patrols turns the wrong way out of the patrol base, and we're going to the swamp. And every time I can't say anything because i got to let the cadet figure it out, right? He's got to figure out that we're going the wrong way. And here I go through the swamp again. I'm shoulder in muck and snakes. Fort Knox got some snakes, people. And I don't know what else was in that water, right? And just, and seven patrols out, we go the wrong way. And I get to walk through the swamp. And I'm thinking, what am I doing? <laughs> and, and now I'm here in ministry and Logan does not make me go on patrol. But we're going to patrol in a different way, right? So the, the, the part about that that God's really spoken to me was, though, is that sometimes we're supposed to go to the swamp. God's got something in that swamp for you. Don't avoid that all the time. Don't avoid the perseverance. Don't avoid the hard spot all the time. There might be something in there that He needs to teach you. He wants you to go to the swamp, right? Those cadets that went the wrong way out of that patrol base learned a whole lot more than the kids who went the right way on their own, of their own control, right? We have to learn that, that sometimes you got to give up that control, go the wrong way and figure it out. God's right there. He loves when we go the wrong way because then we we have to come to him. We have to go in the swamp with him, and that's where we get, that's where he starts to prune us. That's where he starts to teach us. That's where he starts to take off the stuff that he doesn't want you to have, right? By the seventh time I went in the swamp, I was jettisoning gear right? Because the more mud you pack up, the heavier you get, right? So the more crap I was dragging out of the swamp, the heavier stuff I had, you start to jettison. It's no different in our relationship with God. As we go through the swamp, as we go through the hard time, you start to jettison the things that don't matter. You start to jettison the things that you're paying attention to more than you're paying attention to God. And you get lean and you get focused and you get focused on him, right? We have to lean out. You got to get that stuff off. God wants to fill that space in. He's got a lot of stuff for you. But you are carrying around too much stuff he didn't give you. You're going to have to get that off. You're going to have to lean out. Okay? So he wants you to come out of your busyness. And sometimes that means divine inactivity. Sometimes it means sitting in silence. Sometimes it means being still until he tells you, let's go, and he's on point, and you're behind, and you're following. Right? When he stops, you stop. When he sits, you sit. When he takes a knee, you take a knee. And then when he says, let's go, then you go. But he's on point. You need to decide if you're willing to follow or if you're going to go off on your own and hope that you can find him when you need him. So let's don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I do want to make one point about this. God loves your pursuits. He loves your passions. He wants you to be passionate and driven and do things and have joyful experiences in your life. All he's asking for is you submit it to him and let him lead it. He's not telling you not to have those things. He just wants to be part of it. We have to recognize his voice. The goal is is that he wants you to strip away the other things so that you hear his voice louder and clearer than anything else. We have to learn how to do that. And if you know how to do that, then I want you to push in deeper on that. Get closer. There's always space between us and God. We want to constantly be in pursuit of closing it. He won't elude us, but he requires pursuit because it's the only way that you'll lay down everything else. And during the journey, he can then fill those spaces. You have to pursue so that he can then be in control. That's the only way. When you're laser focused on him, you'll get rid of everything else and you'll just pay attention to him. So James tells us it's the only way that we can lack in nothing, things we didn't even know we needed, right? So it's impossible, it's impossible to come away from spending time with God unchanged, It's impossible. If you're spending time with God and you walk away the same, go back. Reengage. It's impossible to come away from God unchanged. Make sure you're getting in his presence. Right? The Psalms are a great place to read about the pursuit of God. David writes in Psalm 63, he says, You are my God. Earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there's no water. He goes on to say, I praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. If you want to hear about pursuit, read the Psalms. There are some awesome examples of putting everything else aside and just getting after God. Right? We can't give up that opportunity. We have to demand to encounter God. It's your right Demand it. Demand time with him. Demand to be in his presence. Demand intimate space with him. Don't give that up. It belongs to you and you need to take it. As I was finishing this sermon, which means we're almost done. As I was finishing the sermon, a bunch of us were at a Hillsong concert in Madison Square Garden. There had to be 30,000 people in Madison Square Garden, arms up, praising God. I've been in a situation like that in a long time, although our worship here rivals that, and I will, I'm, I'm honest about that. That's a true statement, because our worship team can make it feel like there's 30,000 people in here for sure, but I was at this Hillsong concert, and, and they had the lyrics up, and I didn't know this song, so I was just reading the lyrics, and God kind of finished my sermon right in this moment, and this is what the song, it's a song called Highlands, and one of the verses says this. The verse that struck me says, Oh, how high would I climb the mountains if the mountains were where you hide? How far I'd scale the valleys if you graced the other side. Will you seek him? Will you climb the mountain? Will you do whatever you have to do to get to him? So we have a decision to make, right? Are we pursuing God? Are we pursuing him individually and are we pursuing him as a church? It's our responsibility. If we're not doing that, we should close the doors and go home. Logan and I are dedicated to that, that we will pursue God at all costs in this church. We will pursue him on your behalf. We will pursue him individually, and we will pursue him for you and your families. We want to be with you in this process. You're not by yourself. I'm not giving you a charge for something that you have to do alone. But you have to agree and get on board with this. You have to agree to get in this with us, right? We won't be perfect. It won't be that we'll never sin again. But God isn't worried about that. He's excited about the journey with us, right? If we're in already, then go deeper. If you can't say that you're in already, tell God that you're willing. If you can't say that you're willing, ask to be made willing. God will take whatever prayer you've got. He doesn't care. Just come tell him. I don't know how to do this, but I want more of you. I want to be close to you. I want to be in your presence. He'll receive you however you come to him. So that's our first step. We have to know where we are. You have to determine it. You have to be intentional about it. It'll be different from all of, for all of us, but we've got to get on that journey. I've asked the worship team to sing a very specific song as soon as I step down. I don't want anybody to move. We'll do communion in the second song, but for this first song, you can stand and sing. You can sit in your seat and pray. You can do whatever you want to do, get in the aisle and dance. God was talking to you, not Marcy Miller, God. And I need you to take a minute to let that settle on you. What is He telling you individually today?